This is Blackness in the Workplace, the podcast. We are on a mission to center, promote, build, and support the experiences and needs of Black professionals, both inside and outside the workplace, through collaboration, conversations, and activism. Our voices matter. Our lives matter. Our experiences matter. I'm your host and founder of Blackness in the Workplace, Jessica, and let's get this show started. Tay Johnson is an LGBTQ advocate and tech educator that soothes the curiosity of those who want to learn more about tech, but who do not know where to begin. Nicknamed The Quiet Storm, Tay is a proud introvert, just like me, who spends most of her time divulging in a sea of data. Her love for data has propelled her on a mission to educate the masses. She currently works as a data analytics manager at Elon Communications. Tay is also an advisory board member for CUNY Tech Prep, which is a year-long stack, um, full-stack JavaScript program for computer science students. So welcome, Tay. Thank you for being on today. Hey, thank you. I'm so happy to be on. Yeah. So um, I appreciate you answering the call when I put it out there to interview um, Black professionals who work in the tech space, wherever that may be, so that we can show people that Black professionals obviously do exist in the tech space, and they come from all walks of life, (laughs) all backgrounds, (laughs) and, you know, you you are here to tell your story. So first things first, um, you know, what let you, what's your background, first of all, so the people listening to the episode can know, and then what kind of let you into your career with data analytics? Got it. So um, I originally started out in HR, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to business school in undergrad, and I kind of thought that I would definitely move up the ranks within HR. I started out pretty young in my career. I was around like 19. And this is back when you didn't need to have a diploma. <laughs> so yeah. I went ahead and was like, okay, I'm just going to get me a little career job and work at an agency. And I was actually quite successful. I did that for about four years. And I got to the point where I just became bored with the routine of the day-to-day job. And I don't know if that was because I was just really good at it or just because I wasn't in the right field. And honestly, I feel like I wasn't in the right field. So I decided to say, hey, I'm going to go from being a professional to kind of, in a way, going back to being an intern. I was at that point in college. I was a junior and I knew that I could still qualify for internships. So I decided Mm -hmm. to pursue, you know, data internships to gain some type of experience. In the beginning, I got a lot of no's, but I kind of like continued to say, hey, although I am a business student, I actually know that I want to work in data. So that's how I kind of got started. Okay. Now, what, what did you like about data? Um, You know, working Mm -hmm. in human resources, you know, I have a background in HR. So, you know, what specifically about data you that that you found very interesting were you someone that was always really into numbers what what kind of made you land on that specifically got it um honestly I really wasn't good with numbers growing up I hated math um so it wasn't my best subject English was my favorite subject in writing to be exact um I thought when I was really really young I would be an author so eventually I think I will probably end up doing that when I'm a little bit more senior in my career but Mm -hmm. um I definitely decided to pursue data because I like to figure out how things work in the shadows. And the way that I kind of came up with my grand idea was I started to think about our future jobs, I guess the future of tech. 
And I wanted to think about like what jobs would be available in the current, you know, century that we're in that everyone will use. And I was like, okay, we always use technology and we always use systems. I was like, oh, data. So it really was like an aha moment and it was very innocent, but it kind of like scaled when I kind of pulled back the layers of different areas within data. And that's why now subsequently my resume is very colorful and I've mm-hmm. been really fortunate to work in different companies and some of my jobs were created just for me. So that kind of was my ability to kind of pitch myself and again, knocking back onto my business experience, I know how to sell myself <laughs> in a good way. So it was really, really good for me to kind of think about like, what is a need that companies always will want for the future? And it was yeah. data. Yeah. Data's not going anywhere. I mean, data mm-hmm. tells the story that companies need to be able to make sales and to buy products and sell products. So um, that is really interesting. And, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a math person by any stretch, but even in HR, you do have to use data in some way, you know, you have to tell, you know, metrics tells a story that is neutral. So you do have to be able to leverage it in some, some sort of way. So now you said that when you got into your career, you know, there was a lot of no's. What other challenges did you face in your career as you were trying to, to move up? Honestly, like being very like, frank, like the fact that I was a woman and, and a woman of a certain stature. When I say that, I mean, I'm very feminine when I appear and I'm very like soft-spoken. And I think that I wasn't the type of person that people expected to come to the interview. Mm-hmm. I think they expected someone who was a little bit more louder, a little bit more like appeared more confident um, or just someone who had like a, a tech background or who was using technology at a young age. And I was a little bit more older. I was in my you know, mid twenties at the time. So it was like people interviewing me were like in their early twenties and we were in the same age bracket. So it was really odd uh, when mm-hmm. I was entering for like startups to kind of have my interview not be as senior as my previous bosses in HR. So I think it was a, a little bit of like, who is this, this lady? Who is this black woman? Um, is she a right fit for the team? Like I started to hear that fit and I didn't know what that meant in the beginning. I was like, what does cultural fit mean? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it started to like weigh on me when I looked at the dynamics of the team, like, wow, I, I probably wouldn't fit in right here. <laughs> yeah, cu- cultural fit is one of those terms that's now, you used to hear it a lot, especially mm-hmm. when I was coming up in my career. It's like, oh, this person's not a cultural fit. But now with diversity and inclusion being such a big deal, you see that the concept of cultural fit being pushed back a little bit. It's like, what is cultural fit? you know, you know, how problematic that can be, because usually when we say cultural fit is people who aren't like us. Yeah. And part of the issue that we're finding, especially in these tech spaces, whatever they may be, is issues of diversity related to the fact that a lot of the people who are making the decisions are looking for that cultural fit, which usually falls under, you know, race and gender, which leaves a lot of people out. And, and that, that become a, becomes a challenge. So, you know, being a Black person who works in this space, have you, did you find any issues related to diversity or race or gender that was becoming obstacles for you at all? Um, actually, I did quite a bit. <laughs> um, okay. And most of it was around, I would have to say my gender and my race. It was like the double whammy that us Black women have to face, unfortunately, in tech is Mm -hmm. our gender and our race. So it was the fact that um, I will always have my skills be questioned a lot more, aka Mm -hmm. my work would always have to have two or three eyes. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Whereas my peer, if they were like a white male, oh, they would let him have free range to be like, oh, yeah, he got it. But if it was Tay, it was like, okay, Tay, did you review this? Oh, can we have someone else? And I'm like, what the hell? So mm-hmm. I will always be confused. Like, why is it that me and this person are, are on the same level as far as our role, but yet my work always has to go through about two or three levels of eyes first before approval. Whereas my peers, unfortunately, they could just, you know, do projects and people never think anything of it, even if they were to hypothetically make mistakes. Yeah. It was yeah. like, I was evaluated over a different set of standards basically. Mm-hmm. And, and early on, I had to realize that I had to have thick skin because I knew just out the gate, just when I was an intern, I was already encountering those issues and it kind of got kind of sort of worse the bigger the company or the bigger the team or the the larger the projects were um where I was around mostly not only just um mostly men but men from other countries and and I have nothing against people with different like cultural standards but I realized that depending on where someone grows up and their religion the way they view women is different around the world basically and they bring that here when they migrate and me as an american woman i had to learn the different cultural aspect of men from other countries that they might not be used to seeing women in certain roles where they're Mm -hmm. from you know so it was more of a like wow this is actually a much bigger issue that i didn't even know that would affect me um so that was one thing and of course the other thing which i think is more specific towards just black people in general there's a lot of people who honestly believe that black people aren't smart or educated wow i know that for sure i mean that that is a huge challenge is you know when you tell people that you are educated and that you are accomplished Mm -hmm. they they kind of give you this double take about oh really and i wonder did that create any sort of imposter syndrome for you when you were starting out in your career where you felt like hey maybe i'm not good enough or maybe this isn't the right fit for me yeah it, it definitely did um i had moments where i would be less likely to speak up in meetings even if i knew what the heck was going on, I would, I would find myself, even catch myself just taking a step back. And luckily I had some really good managers, like direct managers who would see me do that because when it would just be one-on-one, they would see how I'll perform versus when I was in a group setting. And they would compare it and say, wait, Tay, I know that you know this stuff. <laughs> like, why didn't you, you know, chime in? And then I had to kind of like unpack that a little bit and be like, why don't I speak up a little bit more? And yeah. I think it was the years and years of me, you know, starting out as an intern and working my way up of having people ask me those questions of like, where did you go to school? Did you do this? Do you know what this skill is? Do you? Like they would use different terms, like as a question, as if I didn't know it when I did. And having to deal with that over the years, it did have effect on me to where I was like, wow, and I'm, I'm just doing it off the, the cuff. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, even in my own career, there was some, there was a lot of that going on too. And I think every black person can relate to that no matter what their field is, is where your work is always being questioned and, and it's, you know, under the microscope. And if you make a mistake, it's always blown up to be much bigger than what it was. And I know I had that at one of my last jobs where it just resulted in a lot of issues. And for me, I know it took a long time for me to kind of find my voice. And now I'm kind of at the point where it's like, I speak up all the time because I want people to see me. And maybe it's kind of a reflex to that time when I didn't speak up. But now I'm always like, 
I want to be visible. I want you to see me because I don't want you to ever walk away thinking, oh, is she up to the task? And, you know, fighting against that, that feeling of imposter syndrome. Have you, do you feel like now that you are older and you've been in the career longer, is that still an issue for you or have you, uh, you know, overcome that? I would say I definitely have overcame it just because I think being a manager is a little bit more, it's a little more bragging, right? So like people respect mm-hmm. me now because of my title, which is unfortunate. I'm the same type of worker. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I still come and I have the same type of passion that I had when I wasn't a manager. But it's, I feel like now because I'm in an environment that supports me, meaning mm-hmm. like my manager and my team, I don't have to, they, they make sure to include me into you know situations or or meetings i don't have to go like fishing for information like oh was i left out of an email chain did i know this meeting was going on now it's like people are proactive in including me and making sure that i get information yeah yeah i mean (laughs) that manager title does slap a little different when you (laughs) when you get it (laughs) i mean you know they wouldn't really give it to you if you weren't qualified and i always say this um every black woman that i've ever met working in corporate america she has the receipts to prove that she belongs there. And I mean, not only does she have the receipts, but I like every black woman I know has gone above and beyond. I mean, it's not just they go to work. I mean, it's like you, you do teaching, you do things on the side. You know, I do things on the side. It's like there's so much that we do to validate our experiences and our, you know, our existence in these spaces. And so whenever I see a black woman that's in a manager or VP space in corporate America, I know she earned that. (laughs) I know she earned that with her blood, sweat and tears. I mean, white mediocrity is something that's very rampant in corporate America is it really is. I mean, I'm not ashamed to say it. I mean, our, uh, our former president was a great example of white mediocrity where you don't have to do much to get ahead if you're white men or women. And Mm -hmm. you see that all the time and it's frustrating. It's like, okay, I have all these degrees and I I put in the sweat, blood and tears and you over there leapfrogging over me with very little to show for it. And it, it makes you, (laughs) it makes you upset. So then my question for you is, have you noticed that your field, what have been some of the trends that you've seen in terms of diversity in the field that you you're in have you seen it become more diverse of top diversified if so how i'll have to say no (laughs) (laughs) like just being honest like it's very much a a male dominated um field Mm -hmm. in addition to that like i'll just be very specific it's always going to be either white male an asian male and then an indian male very rarely do i see women or do i see anyone outside of that range Like that is just my day to day. Like whether I go to events or conferences, like I'm always the only woman or the only black person. Mm -hmm. So I think in data specifically, you know, dealing down into tech, it's like a lot worse because it's like people don't think of like a mathematician or a person who's a scientist, a data scientist to be someone that's black, let alone a black woman. They don't ever think of a scientist to represent a black person. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, representation matters because you're right. Like when we think of scientists and when we think of people in these spaces, computer nerds or whatever, when Mm -hmm. we start talking like that, you know, there's an image that's in our head of a white dude, 
you know, it's never a woman and there's never a black person and it's definitely never a black woman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having those conversations and saying, hey, look, no, we do exist (laughs) and we are in these spaces and we are thriving um, despite the challenges is really important. So, um, you know, what would be your advice for young black professionals who are considering the field that you're in? I'll have to say, try to build a network mm-hmm. um, of your own. And, and I know it's about always, I know Allie's and, and everyone who's talking about that. It's like, oh, let's come together. I'm like, honestly, <laughs> I feel like we need to be a little more smart because mm-hmm. I would rather keep it within a group and then expand out. Yeah. Because I noticed that when I was in spaces where I felt like I connect with other people who went through the same situations, it, it just hit really differently for me. It really yeah. did. And I would love to have like other like young black professionals find other young black professionals who are moving up and trying to make moves within data because that's what I had to do. I had to actually be active and go to different like in-person meetup events when we had them and build a network of my own. And unfortunately, I didn't have that type of support at my previous jobs, but I was able to get it. So now I have a network of people who know my work and speak for me when I'm not in the room. Mm-hmm. That's that's wonderful. And I agree with that. You know, you have to find other black professionals in your field um, because it does help. And it, it, it helps in so many ways. For me, I know it helps because they can tell you what to look out for from a context that's not just social, but cultural as well. Um, they can talk to you about things that are going on that other people won't be able to understand or pick up on. And, you know, you want to have a network because you want people to serve not just as mentors, but as sponsors. Like when you said that people speak about you in rooms that you're not in, that's sponsorship. That's, that's, that's putting you on to jobs and opportunities that you, you may not even have heard of, but other people have and they're bringing them in your, in your way. And so, you know, oftentimes with Black professionals, we kind of come into our positions with no network, no support. We don't know where to go. We don't know who to talk to. And then we run into trouble and it's like, okay, who do I, you know, I'm all by myself. I'm, I'm this island. And it really helps to know, you know, where to go. So now in terms of network, what networks have you built or, or are out there that you can recommend for for black people wanting to data to, to at least start with? Is there something on Twitter or anything that they can at least yeah. start with? Definitely. There is, it originally started out as a hashtag on Twitter, which is black and data. They mm-hmm. have their website. Um, and they also, you can find them on LinkedIn and it's exactly how it sounds black in data. And it has a bunch of like mostly black women who are data scientists, machine learning, like the whole realm of data and you see all these, these faces that you're like, they exist? So I had that same amazement looking at the site um, and they are hosting like different workshops, events and stuff like that. And that's like one network that I know off top of my head. And then of course, um, another nonprofit organization that's more established is Women in Data. I was one of their mm-hmm. former volunteers in the New York City area. So that's another place you can find other women of different backgrounds around the world where you can see oh, there are other women here who are doing the same type of work and they also have like, you know, tech trainings and stuff like that. Wow. 
That's great. So Black in Data and Women in Data, you can find them Mm -hmm. on Twitter and on LinkedIn. I will say that LinkedIn has proven to be a really great well of resources when it comes to finding Black people in the tech space. So um, I would suggest to anybody just starting off, definitely get on Twitter because there's a lot of pages and a lot of really good people kind of connecting. And it's real time as opposed to LinkedIn. So Mm -hmm. you can find people a lot faster and I know when I like it when I said hey look I'm looking to do this this series to interview black people in the tech spaces I got a lot of really great responses off of Twitter faster mm-hmm. than I did LinkedIn that's not to say LinkedIn is not a good resource but Twitter is live it's, it's moving it's always on so you could always find those connections and, and build with that as well so I think that's that's amazing so um Let's see here, you know, so you, you shared that information. Is there any, any other advice that you want to share with others in terms of like growing their career and, um, and just kind of preparing for any other challenges that may come their way? I know it sounds so petty, but I want to be honest. Okay, let's do some <laughs> pettiness then. Let's be petty. <laughs> Always keep receipts. I don't oh. know why I have to tell people because yes. I didn't had people try to sabotage me mm-hmm. because they saw me going places. And and that was something mm-hmm. that when I was a little younger, it hurt my pride because I was like, I just want to like, you know, be successful. Why don't mm-hmm. I have people who love me and support me? And then I had, unfortunately, it was a really good conversation with an older black woman and she pulled me aside because she saw how people were like responding to me, a lot of non-black people. And she was just like, listen, Tay, I'm going to tell you this now, because I don't know, you know, if you have anyone to give you this real perspective. She was like, you're going to have a very tough time throughout your career because you have something that they don't have. Mm -hmm. She was like, you need to understand that this is not going to be easy for you, but as long as you're prepared, you'll be all right. Mm -hmm. And I... I was just like, wow, like, how did she see that? She just met me. You know, this is one meeting with this mm-hmm. woman, but she's like, I already know. Mind you, she's had like 20 plus years of experience. So once she told me that, I was like, I'm going to listen. <laughs> yeah. And it prepared me. Yeah, definitely listen to people who are older. And when you said keep receipts, for those who have been following Blackness in the workplace and been following me from the beginning, I always talk about keeping receipts and documentation. We play no games here on Blackness in the Workplace. I have a whole article on our blog about how to do that because to be honest, and you know, it's not even being petty. You can't trust nobody in the workplace because people, and that, and it's not, it's other Black folks too I've seen do this. People yeah. would throw you under the bus so quick if it means securing their own bag and, and for them to move up. So, when I, when, you know, we talk about keep receipts, I mean, document things in email, make sure you following up and documenting. Don't be apologetic about it. Do what you feel you have to do to protect yourself in the workplace. Because when people see you, especially being a black person in your field, like I said, white mediocrity is a real thing. And what threatens white mediocrity is black excellence. And the mo- and when when people are working with you, it doesn't take much for them to realize what your potential is. You can you can quickly find those people who are like these people are going places because of their ambition, because of their energy and their drive. And if you, when you are a black person working, and when they see that in you, they will do what they have to do to sabotage you. And I've had that happen to me too, where things things were happening. You're like, where is this coming from? And it's because they're trying to sabotage you. So don't, that's not to say you can't make friends in the workplace, but you can't make friends in the workplace. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you, 
I'm old school. You don't have friends at work. So you need mm-hmm. to really protect yourself and do what you need to do and do it unapologetically because yeah, there are sharks in the ocean and they will, they will bite you. If you're not careful. So that's really good advice. I'm glad you said that because that is critical. Um, <laughs> protect yourself. I mean, that's our trademark on blackness and workplace. I swear to God, like we talk about that all the time. Like I have a whole series on pips that I did in season one about how to protect yourself because these people ain't playing and you can't either. So um, this has been a really good conversation. I appreciate you coming and talking about, you know, your experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the in-between, as we also say here on blackness in the workplace. So um, where can folks find you um, if they want to connect with you? Of course, I'm only on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm kind of sort of old school. <laughs> I don't do social media, but Uh-oh. that's all I got so far is just LinkedIn. Um, and of course, um, outside of that, I would love for people to kind of check out um, Chini Tech Prep. Just the look at that program as a New Yorker, like I knew from my previous experience in HR that a lot of CUNY students didn't have the same type of opportunities as non-CUNY students. So definitely please check out CUNY Tech Prep. Our site is cunytechprep.nyc just to see if you know anyone who will be interested in the program. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that too. There are a lot of programs, local programs too, that will help people get into coding and data Mm -hmm. science. You don't necessarily have to go to a big four-year school or anything like that. So definitely do some research and see what what is out there for you so that you can get into this field. So um, Tay, I really appreciate you taking the time out to speak with us. And like I said, really great advice. And I hope people listen and be inspired. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And that's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We sure did. New episodes every Sunday. So connect with us in the Tea Room, a members-only safe space on our website, blacknessintheworkplace.com, or follow us on our social media pages. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Our Twitter page is always on and popping. So until next time, peace and love. <laughs>